Good morning. As we open the Word of God, we turn to the first reading, which is in Matthew 1, starting at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to a public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he, was, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with a child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. The second reading is from Acts 1, starting in verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he suffered, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. It is indeed uh, good to be with you. I always enjoy coming to Swanley. I do apologise about bringing the Christmas story to you at the beginning of September, but there is a reason in my, uh, in my madness. And um, today, I mean, I was all nicely set up earlier in the week, and we were going to talk about God's plans. And uh, indeed, that is still my intention, but I am aware that events of the, of the last week have changed, I think, things considerably. And I don't know quite where you are today, um, whether you're feeling, my emotions are very mixed. 
when the Queen died on Thursday, and I knew where I was then, it was a real time of sadness. Christine's got a new king. All the arrangements are going on. I mean, I'm talking about God's plans, but of course it's plans of the world that are in have all the papers. We have our funeral, the first state funeral since 1965, in fact, uh, in, this, uh, in this country, um, on next uh, week, on week tomorrow, on Monday. And... Um, <coughs> It is a, a, an occasion of enormous um, momentum. It's momentum occasion. And uh, I think we can't get away from that. And so I'm going to start my sermon by a few reflections on the Queen and, and the arrangements that are being made for this, uh, this service in, a, in a ten day or eight days' time. I mean, we have to ask ourselves, I mean, it, it's actually said that this could be the biggest gathering of uh, national leaders ever. Now, I don't know whether that would be true or not, but there's certainly a lot of people, including Biden, has signed up to come to, the, to Westminster Abbey next uh, week on Monday. Um, and, and one has to wonder, you know, why this is not a, a politician in the, in the heart of the political turmoil of the world. This is someone who stood above it for 70 years uh, and has left an enormous mark upon this country, upon the Commonwealth countries, and upon the whole world. I guess we have to ask ourselves, you know, wh why has she made such a big impact? It's interesting, you know, there have been other monarchs around the world, but I don't think anybody, certainly in our lifetime, has made an impact anywhere near like our Queen has. Um, and, and I believe the answer to that is very simple. This was a lady who committed herself to serve. Right from the beginning of her reign, when she was 21, she did a speech in South Africa, before she was queen, this was, where she committed herself to a life of service uh, and she asked God to help her. Remarkable for a 21-year-old young, young lady. Um, she committed herself, and she was a committed Christian, and she was not scared to witness to that. Um, she did it all through her life. Um, and um, the, 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 you may have heard the Bishop of London, who used to, I think was her chaplain for a time, um, used to go and see her, and they would pray together. This was a lady who came to Jesus, um, and I think she used the words that, uh, uh, that, that uh, the, the Lord was her rock in her life. That is the queen that we are mourning today. And um, it is amazing. And, and I must admit, my emotions are very mixed up as well. Uh, giving thanks, great sadness, looking forward to the, to the future. Um, we have been deluged with information about the Queen. I don't know about you, I take a paper and it's been not much else but the Queen for the last few days. Um, but there's been, I mean, the one thing I've already mentioned, that commitment she made. Um, and she, the thing about that commitment she made, she made it in South Africa um, and, and she made it and she asked for God's help to fulfill her obligations. This was a young woman who was you know, realizing that she may well now be queen before too long. Her father was not a healthy man even at that time, and she knew she couldn't do it. This was a woman who knew she couldn't do it without God's help. 
and she called upon God's help uh, that day. And secondly, probably, I mean, we've seen lots of shots of the coronation in 1953. When she was led forward to be crowned in the coronation, she went past the, 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 the actual throne where she was going to be crowned, and she went and she knelt in front of the cross and had a quiet time um, with herself, with the Lord, before she was crowned. And it's little things like this that stuck in my memory, that this was someone who had a real faith. And that was a faith that lasted all her life. I, again, I think she commented to the Bishop of, Bishop of London, who is a woman, I might add, um, that she had no fear of death. And... Um, so, you know, we just rejoice that she's gone to be in a better place. And it's interesting that the world leaders uh, are so keen to, to give words of praise to our Queen. But it's also true, isn't it, that she related to ordinary people like you and me. And, and she had that wonderful knack World leaders queued up to come and see her. The Prime Minister of this country went to see the Queen every week during her reign. She had a significant role, not one that we saw much of, but she had a very significant role. And yet, um, the world leaders now are, will be queuing up to be part of that funeral, along with ordinary people. There will be millions of people probably pouring into London that day. We will pray for that event and we'll pray for the, all the, the events going on, including King Charles, Charles III now, uh, who's taken over the throne. Um, and we will pray that Lord, his, um, his kingship will be as successful as that of his mother. So as humans, we have plans. Um, and indeed, that, uh, that funeral is going to be a massive planning nightmare, I should imagine. <laughs> um, we can imagine all these people from around the world coming, but it will be planned, and, and as humans, we plan. When I was here in May, and some of you may remember that when I was here in May, I talked about Jeremiah and the plans um, that he had for the people of Judah. And today, I'm, I'm intent on talking about the plans that he has for us today. I want to update it. Judah, was, that was two and a half thousand years ago, but he has plans for us today. Uh, and we need to take note of that. We are part of God's plan. King, Queen Elizabeth II was part of God's plan, as will Charles III be. And I want to explore the Bible just a little bit to see what the Bible has to say about God's plans. And then you will perhaps understand why we've got the Christmas story this morning. The first thing to understand about God's plans is that they revolve around Jesus. And Jesus and the kingdom of God. Jeremiah, uh, shortly after that passage we looked at, prophesied a new covenant that would come in some time in the future. He was prophesying the covenant that Jesus brought in when he was born into this land just over 2,000 years ago. When he started to preach, he proclaimed the kingdom of God. 
And that, and that was a theme right the way through. He always came back. He proclaimed the kingdom of God, by which he meant the kingdom where God reigns. Now, we don't have that now, do we? Um, we look at this world, and it's difficult sometimes to see God reigning. But actually, we do have a God who will one day bring this to completion, and, and everyone will see that God reigns. We haven't got there yet, um, but it will come. In fact, it was, a, it was a, 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 a Cistercian monk called Bernard of Clairvaux, who some of you may never have heard of, uh, 12th century, a long time ago, but he added great clarity to this whole question of the kingdom of God. Um, and, and he said the kingdom of God comes in three stages. Right? Three stages. Now, the first one, um, which comes back to our first reading today, is when Jesus was born into this world. Um, we, we, an Old Testament passage there from Isaiah is quoted um, about Emmanuel, God with us. This was God's commitment to this world. He sent, he'd sent his prophets, and his prophets didn't do too well very often. They were mistreated and killed sometimes. He now sent his son. And some of you actually may remember um, there is a, a parable, the parable of the tenants, where Jesus actually prophesied what would actually happen to him when he came. And, um, <coughs> and uh, indeed, um, that's actually what did happen. Jesus came to this world, uh, and of course, in the end, he was killed and, and, and left. Uh, <coughs> so the two passages of the Bible, the first one is about coming, the first stage, and then the second stage and the third stage we will come on to. Each one of these stages is important. Stage one, stage two, stage three. The first one, let's just look at this first one a moment. If you like, the first stage was Jesus, God, coming to this earth is God's commitment to this earth. <coughs> the people of Israel had failed to listen to the prophets and now he sends his son, i.e. God, in person. Jesus died on a cross that we might know forgiveness for our sins. He is then resurrected and returns to heaven, leaving wonderful teaching and wonderful miracles. Ordinary people like you and I loved him. The religious leaders, I don't quite count myself in that, rejected him and killed him. But it was an amazing time. For 30 years he was here, three years his ministry lasted. And then that phase closed when he went back to heaven on, the, on the, what we call now Ascension Day. That was stage one, but it wasn't, of course, the end of the story. Stage two is the Holy Spirit stage. Now, I know you as a church um, preach the Holy Spirit a lot, uh, and rightly so, because we're in that stage now. Jesus has gone back to heaven. There was a time, if you are in the Holy Land and you'd have walked out here, you may have seen Jesus walk past. I'm not, I'm not prophesying here, but I don't think you will today. But the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus. This is the same Holy Spirit that came on Jesus at his baptism. That same Holy Spirit 
was made available to us. It came first at Pentecost. He promised the disciples it would come, and it did. And it's another interesting thing to reflect on. You know, Jesus' ministry was so amazing. His teaching was so incredible. You would think that he would have left an army of disciples at the end of the time when he went back to heaven. But he didn't. Do you know how many people were, how many people the Bible tells us were the disciples of Jesus at the time that he left this earth? More than 12. His disciples is 120 people. That's all he left. And we're told between the time that Jesus left and the time the Holy Spirit came that they prayed daily. They got together and they prayed, but it was only 120 people. Jesus didn't intend to leave an army at that point. He left people who would carry the gospel forward into this stage of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, why was the Holy Spirit given? The Holy Spirit was given quite simply so we could do the things that Jesus did. Yeah, I mean, it said, it said in the Bible that we will do the things that Jesus did. And, and it's things like bringing people to salvation, preaching and teaching, healing, delivering from evil spirits, guiding us in the ways of Jesus, breaking the power of self in our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit will help us do. And also, coming back to the question of plans, he reveals God's plans for each of us. See, like the queen, we need to accept our own limitations. All of us are flawed. None of us have got what it really takes. As a young woman with little experience of government processes, she know, knew she was signing up for something she could not do. What is so impressive about the Queen, I think what was so impressive about the Queen, is that she was willing to admit it. So often, you know, in this world, and I'm guilty of it myself, we try and cover up our failings, don't we? We pretend that they can be just pushed down and out of the way. You know, it's interesting. I think some of you, I've told you before that I, I'm involved with the recovery course, the recovery from addiction course, uh, which is based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And step one is admitting you've got a problem. And unless you get past step one, it's no good going any further. Unless one admits you've got a problem, it's no, you can't get any further. Jesus, however, gives us the power to overcome our limitations. But we have to ask him. And that's the, that's the, when I think of the queen, I think this is a lady who was humble enough to ask God to do what she knew she could not do in her own strength. And it is just the same for us today, you know. I, I was reflecting on this, and I was saying, well, you might be saying, well, <coughs> that's the queen. I mean, we're not the queen. We, have, we don't have her responsibilities. And you're right, we don't. But, you know, um, I look around here. Most of you, I suspect, are Christians. I'm not making assumptions that you all are, but most of you will be Christians, and you will have made a Christian commitment. When you joined this church or other churches, if you've joined the church, you will have made promises. 
that not right? And have you kept your promises? I mean, I, I, I went back. I, I became a Christian 40 years ago, and I, and I looked at the promises that I would have made when I was in, in, in church at that time. And um, they were as follows. <clears throat> Do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, maker of heaven and earth, saviour of the world, giver of life? <clears throat> to which I said, I do. And fine, I, I think I'm, I'm feeling fairly comfortable with that one. Do you, trusting in God's grace, repent of your sins, <clears throat> turn away from evil, and turn to Christ? Yes. Do I do it always? Do I always turn? Aren't there times when maybe I get interested in other things, my priorities move elsewhere? Do you promise, trusting in God's grace, to be faithful in public and private worship, to live a holy life in fellowship of the church, and to share in its witness? Ouch. There's a lot in that promise, isn't there? And particularly, I suppose I'm aware, do I share in its witness? Well, I try hard. I'm more aware of my failures there than I am in my successes, I have to say. Do you promise by that same grace to follow Christ and to obey him all the years of your life? That's a big promise. It means keeping Christ in your focus all the time. Do you trust in his mercy alone to give you fullness of life now and forevermore? You will probably have made promises of that sort yourselves. Um, now, I don't, it's, I'm not here to make you feel guilty today. I'm here to make you feel frail and vulnerable, which you are and which I am. On our own, we haven't got what it takes to honor those promises, have we? I think if we're honest, we have to say that. The challenge I'm leaving with you today is to, are you willing to face up to that? Are you willing to face up to your own frailty, the fact that you haven't perhaps fulfilled all those promises as you would maybe have hoped when you first made them? Because God has given us a way out. He recognizes we're frail, sinful people. And he has given repentance, not just when we become Christians, as a daily exercise where we can come and at the end of the day we can reflect on what we have done and we can say, sorry Lord, I messed up again today. And that is key, I think. Have you got the ability to say, sorry Lord, I messed up today? I find it, I find it much easier to make excuses than I do to admit that I've messed up today. That's where I am and I don't want to make assumptions about you, but I suspect you're not too far different from me. You see, what it would be, it would be good to have, to have these, the, those promises stuck on a wall in your house where you could look at them occasionally, not every day, but and you could just have a reflection on just how you're doing in that. Uh, and not to be wrapped up in guilt, 
but to simply to say to the Lord, sorry, Lord, I know I should have done much better. I'm sorry, please forgive me. And I'll try and do better tomorrow. Knowing that you may well fail again tomorrow. And I want to challenge you. I mean, I don't know whether you've got some promises in here in this church. You could actually give them out at a later point so people can actually reflect on maybe the promises that they've made. Because I think this is such an important thing. This is the time of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is the time when God is looking to us to draw on the power of the Holy Spirit to change so that we can do better but also so we can recognize our sin and repent of it. I think the Queen has been teaching me that this week. She may have died, but even in her this time, she's still teaching us good lessons. That's what she did. Stage two is where we are. We are dependent upon the Holy Spirit um, for our ministry and, and everything else. Honoring the promises we make to God is very important in his eyes. And he honors those who honor him. So I want to just leave that little challenge with you. Have a look at the promises you've made. And of course, it's not just in church life. It's in all aspects of your life. Whether it be in marriage or where, wherever. Just check it out. And don't be scared to say, I'm sorry, I messed up. Please forgive me. And so finally, we come to stage three. We've been in stage two now for 2,000 years or thereabouts. Um, and stage three is coming. Now, we don't know when it's coming. Jesus was very firm that when he was on this earth, he didn't know when it was coming. Um, he probably does now as he looks down from heaven. But we don't know. It could be tomorrow, and it could be a thousand years' time. We just don't know. But when he does come, every eye will see him. Every eye will know that Jesus is here, whether they're Christians or whether they're not. Everyone will see him. We will find that the kingdoms of this earth will be swept away. Quite not sure what's exactly going to happen but the kingdom of God will come where God rules. That is a promise that it will happen. This world will not drift on forever. It will come to an end one day and it will be Jesus, not Putin, not the Chinese premier, not the Western powers. It will be Jesus that brings this earth to its conclusion. And the challenge for us really is similar to the challenge that came with stage two. And one that we need to grasp. We cannot assume this world is going to continue forever. We, the, the challenge that Jesus left us, and read about it at the end of chapter 13 in Mark, is that we should be ready whenever it comes. Are you ready to face Jesus tomorrow? Is the question, the second question I want to leave you today, related to the first. If you're fulfilling the first, I think you'll be ready to face Jesus you know, tomorrow.
And that is a challenge for us, that we need to be ready. We need to have been humbled ourselves before the Lord so we are ready to meet him when he comes. In judgment, but God has promised us that when we've made a Christian commitment and we've repented of our sins, that actually there will be a, a great welcome for us um, in the kingdom. So those two things I want to leave with you today. Honor your promises, particularly those to the Lord, but not exclusively, and be ready to meet the Lord. Don't be caught unprepared. Watch, Jesus said, watch the signs of the time. Let us pray together. First of all, I'll pray for the, 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 the national, international situation. Then I'll just pray for us. Firstly, Lord, we want to give thanks now for our Queen, <clears throat> for the stability she offered, for her dedication to duty, and for her Christian faith and for the humility she showed in high office. And we pray for those now, including us, who mourn her passing, her family, the people of this nation, the Commonwealth, and people around the world. We thank you for her character. We thank you that she could relate to world leaders, but also people like us. And Lord, we do now just pray for that funeral a week tomorrow. A massive international occasion, but one that's going to touch each one of our hearts as we remember those 70 years, the the little talk she used to give on Christmas Day. The occasions when she went to Aberfan after the disaster there in the Welsh Valley. And I just give you a moment to remember, to remember your, your memories of the Queen. And we, and we now we now thank you that we have a new king, Charles III. And we pray your blessing on his reign. May he show wisdom and strength of character, and like his mother, may he take seriously the promises he has made to you, Lord, and the people he serves. May Charles and Camilla make an effective team as they work together as king and queen consort. But now we pray for each of us. Let us now pray for each other, brothers and sisters in Christ. Tackle our complacency, Lord. Open our eyes and our hearts. 
Give us the humility to admit our failings and that we are frail people. And we thank you, Lord, that as we come before you to ask for your forgiveness, you have promised us that. We rejoice in that. And we pray, Lord, for your power in our life, in our lives, the lives that you have planned for each of us. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who has a plan, a plan that has a start and a plan that has a finish. And we just want to humbly thank you today that we are part of that. In Jesus' name. words of that great hymn come to mind the last verse when this same lord jesus shall appear again in his father's glory there with him to reign then may we adore him all before him bow as our hearts confess him king of glory now amen